Welcome to Conflict Confidential. My name is Amy Dallas Dunayevich, and I write a blog about conflict because I'm curious about it, and it's all around us. I've been holding on to this one for a little while, and it's really time to post it, even though I'm still getting over this cold. So thanks for bearing with me and my stuffy nose, but I hope you like it. It's called Roll the Tape. Here we go. The email appears boldly at 11.59 p.m. The prosecutor on Mr. Turner's case is working late. Unfortunately, I'm also awake, fretting about getting sent out for hearings the next morning on Mr. Miller's case. I've prepared my cross-examination questions. I have case law for arguments. But I know there's no way a judge will ever dismiss the case. The whole thing was caught on video and people were injured. The plea offer is terrible, and Mr. Miller won't take it anyway. So off to hearings and trial we go, surveillance footage and all. But back to the email in Mr. Turner's case. What does this DA want, I wonder? I open the message to find folders chock full of disorganized video format files. Ugh, I groan. Without opening them, I already note digital movie files of the incident from multiple angles. From a deli's camera, from a witness's cell phone, from a bank on the corner, and then of course dozens of clips from the body-worn cameras on the officers who responded to the scene. I close the email and turn off my phone. I've seen enough for tonight. I try to sleep, but my mind races with images of violence captured on video. In the morning, I wake up exhausted. One of the more surreal aspects of representing people charged with crimes is reviewing evidence with them. I am sensitive about how I share the information. My clients are entitled to see all the evidence against them, the good and the bad. Reviewing video footage together is often a turning point in my relationship with these clients. It either helps us get on the same page about how to proceed with their case, or it creates new points of tension. As I share footage, I try to be mindful about what it might be like for people to see themselves at their worst caught on video. It's an intimate experience. I try not to stare, but I do tactfully glance over. I try to see what their facial expressions might tell me as they view. I've observed most people play it cool. Occasionally I'll see a wince. Sometimes I think I notice something is going on internally with them, but then I wonder if I'm just projecting. Either way, I sit patiently. I let people take in what they need to see. I've asked a few clients what it was like to see themselves do what they did on video. Manny, one of my all-time favorite clients, said, I couldn't believe it was me. His reactions while viewing were pretty animated. It's not how I remembered it at all, he remarked, shaking his head. I swear, those guys had surrounded me. They had not. To be fair, Manny was pretty drunk when the fight broke out. When I asked Will for his thoughts, he answered, It is what it is. Ever the cool guy, that Will. And Derek told me it was hard to watch. I know I did what I wasn't supposed to be doing, and... I will always regret it, Derek said. Then he continued. 
but I still think the cops shouldn't have taken it this far. I agreed with him. The cops had escalated the situation. Derek's case was way overblown. But we needed to decide if we wanted to risk if a jury would see it that way too. Of course, sometimes people will tell me it's not them in the video, or the footage is not clear enough to really see who or what is going on. Putting all that aside, what I'm asking for us to do right now is to think about what it would be like if we each were documented behaving at our worst and then had to really look at it. Would it change how we see ourselves? Now, I'm not condoning needing to behave a certain way because Big Brother is watching us, nor am I saying we need more scrutiny by authorities to keep us in line. There already are too many communities in this country and around the world that are over-surveilled and over-policed. It's not okay. Government surveillance hinders people's ability to feel free and impacts how we engage with one another. But what I am saying is, what if we held up personal cameras to our own lives? What if we could witness ourselves in action? Would we like what we see? Would we be proud of how we behave with one another? Would it influence our future actions? Last week, I heard my voice hit a tone I only use with my children. It's authoritatively deep, it's loud and stern, and honestly, it's kind of harsh for a five and a two-year-old. I sound like my mother. It's a bit much, they're, they're just little kids. Unfortunately, I can't press rewind and tape over it. But what I can do is when I next direct these kids to clean up their toys, I can try to say it differently. I'm the adult. I create the atmosphere in my home. So I could speak a tad calmer and maybe be more playful. I'm going to keep this clip in mind and hopefully do better next time. Watching what we say. Sometimes my clients watch themselves inside precincts being interrogated by detectives. Here's how this usually goes. Something goes down, they get arrested out on the street or in their homes or wherever. And then they're brought to a station house and it's there that they are interrogated by the police. Rarely during this process are people told that they're being filmed. And these tend to be some of the most crucial moments in their cases and their lives. Detectives set the dynamics for the conversation. They might play friendly to get people to feel safe enough to talk. Or it may be a long, drawn-out, tense back and forth. People get too comfortable and kind of forget where they are, which is a station house, and who they're talking to, the cops. And inevitably, people say too much. Sometimes the conversation turns combative, and 100% of the time, talking while under stress is way unhelpful. Never has a conversation in one of these interrogation rooms resulted in the police saying, you know what, this all just seems like a misunderstanding. Why don't we just let you go? And yet, again and again, I watch people desperately plead their case, usually to their peril. Every single conversation we have in life might not be as serious as being questioned by police. But what if we pretended to view ourselves through a windowed mirror whenever we spoke? When we're stressed and trying to speak with one another, could we zoom out to observe what's actually happening? We might notice we're speaking from an activated place, energized by our emotions. Stressed, 
we're not really acting at our best. Viewing from all angles. I have also sat with clients watching themselves get hurt or act in self-defense. So I recognize it would likely be quite difficult for someone to watch themselves or someone they love be harmed on video. Surviving violence then reviewing it surely adds a disturbing layer to the experience. As we turn the camera on ourselves, what would it look like when we're on the receiving end of painful behavior? How are we? And what do we need in these moments? But what, what happens instead? Shifting dynamics. Of course, attempting to be more observant of ourselves won't inoculate us from still behaving in ways we regret. But we might become more aware of our behavior patterns in real time. Becoming more attuned, we might press pause on ourselves to assess what's happening before we press play on responding. Through our imaginary screens, we can view what it looks like to be in conversation with the other person. We can observe how we move amongst a group of people. If we recognize our actions can and will impact the scene, what might we choose to do next? I've started to clock how often in relationships, the currency of connection is gossip. Whether at work or with acquaintances, it's stunning how often gossip arises. People just love to discuss other people. Sometimes it feels like it's the only thing we know how to do. And it makes sense because um, gossip is kind of fun. We bond with one another over our shared disdain for someone else. But I've started to zoom out. What if the person we're discussing was watching us? Would what I'm mentioning be something I'd say to them in person? Am I sharing details to help a situation? Or just help this conversation? Is there something else I could say right now? Or not say? A friend told me about how when she got sober, she also worked on removing other toxicity from her life, like talking shit about people. But it was all around her, her co-workers, her friends, her family. Her strategy then? When someone would gossip, she just wouldn't respond. At all. Others would talk shit and she'd stay silent. I asked her what happened when she did that. She said people just move on and start talking about something else. Amazing how such a small shift by one person can change the direction of a conversation. We're all actors. Whatever the images that may have came to mind as I wrote about my clients, recognize we're not unlike them. We've all been hurt and we've done bad things to differing degrees. It doesn't make us bad people. It makes us human. Although we are often bound by the conditions of our environments, we are still people. And therefore, we are all capable of causing harm. And we do. We fumble. We mess up. We sometimes lose control. But we keep going. We can try to repair if we've done wrong. We can keep trying to do better. Our actions have a ripple effect. Every moment is an opportunity to shape a new echo. So press record, observe, then act. We study our tape and learn from what we see about ourselves. We gotta rehearse because changing how we act takes practice. 
practice, practice, practice. We practice to become our better selves. And we just keep the tape rolling. so much for listening I've um, yeah I, I, it's a transitional time and I'm happy to finally get this posted I'm posting this in December of 2022 it feels very resonant right now for me what do you think if you liked it would you mind sharing as always you can subscribe to the newsletter at conflict confidential at substack I'd love to hear from you. What are you thinking about conflict these days or, you know, even this post? My email is amyracheldallas at gmail.com. The music in this post is by this group called Frederick. This song is called Van Mirren. I'll link it in the notes on Spotify. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your year. And I'll see you on the next one. Take care.